Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of KitPod. So I'm back in the host chair again, taking over from Tom. I don't appreciate all these empty cause cans, Tom, and there's a couple of the libelous bits about Rafa Benitez graffitied all over my chair. But so our usual thing, our introductions and the shirts we're wearing. I'm Alex and I'm paying tribute to a, a dying kit. It's the last time that we've seen the Dortmund third shirt after Rangers put BVB out of the Europa League on Thursday. We've got a couple of classic templates on the pod today, so we'll start with Rob's version first. Yeah, well, I thought with us having the Trefoil Man on as our main feature today, I had to get something out that is an absolute brilliant shirt. So I've gone for the France home shirt from 1989 to 1992, changed just before they went into the Euros of 92. It's the military medals template, which I've been witching on about on Twitter for ages. Absolutely brilliant design. If you haven't seen it, check out our Twitter feed. Get yourself on a Museum of Jerseys and reading their military medals article as well because there's some brilliant information on there. They're incredibly rare shirts, but the design, I'm not even going to try and do one of those stupid audio descriptions of it because it's just too good for that. So, yeah, check it out on Twitter. And Adrian, you've gone for another a club interpretation of that template. Yeah, we didn't compare notes when we woke up this morning. We just decided who was making the coffee. Didn't talk about what shirts we were going to put on. But uh, I've gone for the Bari 91-92 medals template again. Uh, it's, I think I've only got a couple of the Trefoil-based shirts. This is one one of them, along with some Romas. So uh, I thought I'd wear it in honour of the feature we've got later on today. But it's a beautiful shirt. Yeah, I think it's one of the all-time classics. A lot of neutrals, neutrals love it, back from the uh, David Platt era of Bari. Everything works there, doesn't it? Classic sponsor, beautiful emblem for the club and a really nice interpretation, that template. And another final classic banger from Tom then. Yeah, I didn't get the memo this week and I think I'm trifoilist, but I have still gone classic and I went into 93, 94 away. So it's the white shirt with the Inter Umbro kind of jacquard that we've spoken about before. It has the horizontal blue and black stripe and it's the year that Dennis Burkamp led them to UEFA Cup success. Great. So with our introductions done, it's on to the news. So tons of stuff to cover this week. First of all, Napoli and Barca take different approach to shirt sustainability. BVB score null with their nine designs with some fans. Schalke take a political stand with their sponsor and Kit Magazine moves offline. So we'll start with this story about Napoli and Barca first, Rob, taking different approaches to the way they introduce kits. Yeah, it's interesting this one, isn't it? They've been playing each other in the uh, Europa League this week. Barcelona, because of their iridescent logos on their Parma Violet away shirt, we'll call it, um, they're actually banned by UEFA, so they weren't allowed to wear it. So they've been using the Signera kit for quite a while now, since the 1920 season. Not 1920s, but 19 slash 20. And um, they used it again against Napoli. The interesting thing about this is obviously UEFA love to control certain aspects of football. One of the things being football shirts. And they like to have certain details. You've got to have certain numbers, certain name sets. You've got to, you're allowed to have your, the name on your badge, all these sorts of things. So that's, that's stopped Barcelona from doing that. One thing that they haven't stopped is Napoli wearing their 11th, shirt of the season so obviously you can see that Barca are recycling an old kit which is a good one to be fair 
but Napoli have been allowed to put 11 monstrosities out on the pitch this season. It probably shows no sign of stopping as well. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the difference with this one was it was a European version, therefore there was a gold trim. It's a shirt they've used before, but just had a gold trim instead of the regular colour trim. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what they've done in the earlier rounds as well. So it's the, the domestic template with a with a gold trim. And that's what they've done with the new, the new domestic temp, template of this. I think it's the third shirt with the British gas flames. They put a gold trim on it. It just seems so strange that UEFA would let Barca have some shiny badges and yet they'll let, allow Napoli to change the shirts whenever they want, really, which, you know, is... It's up to you, Afer. I suppose they can do whatever they want, can't they? As they as is their wish. But I think for football fans, if you're a collector of Napoli shirts and you don't just buy them in the sales, I think it's a tricky one for you if you're looking for match worn shirts or even just replicas because you've now got a huge bulk of kits to sort of collect from that year. Whereas Barcelona, they're reusing other kits, which we've really, really got to get behind. Harks a little bit back to the MLS because they're allowed to keep one kit per season and then change the other one. So it's a little bit like um, you have your home shirt for two years, maybe your away shirt for two, but you change them every other year. Now, for me, that's a, a preference that I would like to see around Europe where you keep one shirt, but you still get a new shirt every year. Maybe have a new special or a new third shirt every year as well. That'd be quite cool. But do better next time, please, Napoli. Like you say, we can only applaud any club that is promoting sustainability and not making us have to fork out another 60 quid every time for third or fourth shirt. And you like to say, it is a classic design. So I wonder when we'll finally say sayonara to that design. Moving on then, so topic very close to my heart, we've seen the results of the BBB kit competition. So you might remember we covered this a couple of pods back that they've opened it to fans to supply the designs for the 23-24 home kit. There was a panel, Day Day, Marco Royce, other figures from the club that selected from over 15,000 designs that were submitted. And people who are on Twitter may have seen many of the kit concepts and other designers submitting a, a series of outlandish designs. So there's a lot of excitement around this. And I think when the designs have come out, they've been a little more conservative than some of the kind of wild designs that we've seen. I think opinions have been kind of mixed. Just wondered, having had a look at them, guys, are there any favourites, any sort of standout amongst the nine for you? I actually think that they've gone more outrageous than I would have gone. I prefer some of the more stripped back looks. There's there's a hell of a lot of these shirts that have maps, skylines, lots of geometry and sometimes all in one shirt and I just think some of them look very very busy the one I really like is that first one which is just a kind of block yellow and then it looks like almost like the tire prints that we've seen Adidas use a couple of times the last few years so kind of black horizontal smears almost down the front I think that works best as a football shirt some of them just got way too much going on I think it's a difficult balance, isn't it, between, I think, what looks nice on the page and what looks good on the pitch. A lot of the details are lost when you're at distance. And, and also there must be things that we don't see behind the scenes, kind of like the practicalities of actually, you know, you could put an LED imprinted shirt or something. It's a fantastic design, but whether it actually works to make uh, 100,000 in a factory or so. Interesting to see, I mean, the neon safety yellow or vault yellow, depending on which area you're on, it's very popular for kit collectors, but less so for BFOB fans. But there are a couple that have sneaked through to the final nine that incorporate that kind of 90s 
colour. So, Rob, Adrian, any of them caught your eye? I wouldn't say caught my eye, but I think that they look like football shirts. So that's a, that's a tick to start with. And I think when you've got a company, a manufacturer involved with a fan vote and with sort of expert judges, you're always going to get something that looks like something that's already out there. Because as you say, they've got to produce these as actual shirts. They've got to follow whatever rules and regulations are set by whatever leagues um, have said or competitions have said. I'm not wowed by them, to be brutally honest. But I don't think that I don't think that they're awful. I just think that when you see other people's designs online, and this is very true of lots of concept kits, the concepts look better than the real shirts. But as you can see by other people out there on Twitter who talk about shirt manufacturing, who talk about designs like Spark Academy, it's not just about having that design. So I think, yeah, I think they've done okay. I probably agree with Tom. I quite like that um, the one that he described. I do quite like the neon ones, and I think it would have been quite cool if they'd have gone for another neon one after the Puma third template because they've kind of teased that little neon bit again. It would have been quite good to go down that route. I don't mind the map one. I think you know it's quite topical of shirt design. I think you do find that that pops up on other shirts as well. Not wowed, but not a disaster. Yeah, I think I think there's loads of map ones in there actually. If you start trailing through them, most of them have got maps or stadium or skyline, and presumably the correct spot, uh, skyline. But there's quite a few there. What I would say, what I implore people to do is actually go into the link, go onto the BBB website because there's a good description on most of the shirts as well. So it's not just in terms of the, the 2D image, which we're basing it on. And let's be honest, most of the kit concept designers out there on Twitter come up with some fantastic 3D virtual um, pictures of their shirts, which obviously are going to wow people and look a lot better. And these are just 2D images. But when you read some of the descriptions around the um, the, the concept and the design and the features that the, the candidates put, put into the shirt, I think they mean a little bit more and you can understand why they've come up with the idea. My favourite, for what it's worth, I quite like the third one would be diagonal half and half, effectively uh, black, at, black at the bottom, uh, yellow at the top, which apparently is a design based on the city map of Dortmund, which appears on the upper part of the jersey, accompanied by classic diagonal stripes that represent the forward movement, the decision to confront the opponent's goal and a real win to win. I mean, that second bit just sounds like standard. We're releasing a shirt and making it sound like it links to our club. But, um, but yeah, I quite like that one. I think as a final thing, if these had turned up as the concepts that had been initiated by designers, I think maybe there would have been a lot more positive response because I think they are quite adventurous compared to typical home shirts. But yeah, when you've been sort of sport by this smorgasbord of outrageous designs, when you've got the world's creative minds coming together, then obviously they're a bit more tame in comparison. Also, how can a Dortmund fan complain about any of these shirts having just had to sit through how many games of them wearing a Puma third template. I mean, they, they could literally take a black bin bag and it'd be an improvement on what they've been wearing this year. Yet they kick off about, or some people have been kicking off about these, these nine unique designs that aren't Puma third templates. I'm sinking lower and lower in my chair as this episode is going on. So if you have a BVB account, you can log in and vote for your top three and we'll get the announcement of the winning kit soon and obviously be able to purchase it in 15 months or so time. So moving on, Schalke have taken a political stand with their sponsor. Do you want to discuss this then, Tom? Yeah, I'm sure we've all seen the horrific news that's come out of Ukraine this week, and it's not something we really wanted to talk about. But Schalke have made quite an admirable step, really, and they've removed Gazprom as the sponsor from the front of their shirts. It's, it's, it's a sponsor that they've had since 2007, and of course, the reason that they've done this is because Gazprom is a state-owned gas and oil company, but owned by Vladimir Putin's 
government. So it's one way for them to kind of hit Russia and to sanction them and to remove that from the front of their shirts. Obviously, it goes a long way for taking them out of the limelight. It does cost Schalke financially, but it goes a long way towards making Russia a pariah state, both economically and in a sporting sense. And, you know, this is something that the rest of the world also needs to look at and, and do too. So, yeah, it's it's not the first sponsor we've seen change this season either for socioeconomic factors. There's been a couple others this season. I think Blackburn changed their sponsor midway through the year. They cited COVID and its impact as the reason that they lost Recoverite as the sponsor of their shirt. That was replaced by Totally Wicked. And Luton, obviously, this week, they've just had Utilita as the sponsor that replaced JB Developments. And again, that was due to COVID impact. So, you know, we are starting to see a lot of sponsors change for political and socioeconomic reasons, which is a massive shame, really. Yeah, again, obviously, these kind of events pale in significance when we think of the kind of broader context, but within the confines of this pod, really can talk, only talk about the football impact. And the, there, there is quite a substantial impact, isn't there? Obviously, the Champions League final has been moved from St. Petersburg to, to Paris. There's also talk of Russia possibly being excluded from the upcoming World Cup tournament or changes to the playoff final and so on. So it is good that authorities... And clubs are taking a stand. I mean, for Schalke, this is a, as much as they might not be terribly fond of the club, this is a $150 million deal that they're effectively cancelling. And given the economic situation, they're unlikely to, to receive something of that sort of scale. So this is going to cost them millions of pounds. So it isn't a sort of an empty gesture. You know, this is a real economic impact. And it's great to see a club putting kind of principles in front of money for once. It'd be great to see if UEFA can follow suit and remove the Gazprom sponsorship from their competitions but you know let's see if uh, their money is where their mouth is. So again we hope that this all resolves itself soon and good to see some of the actors in football taking a principal stand. To move on next to a much more positive piece of news obviously you know that we are part of the Kit Magazine operation and the Kit Mag's been going for about a year or so and we're delighted this week when we finally announced our tie-up with classic football shirts. So previously you could only purchase the physical copies of Kit Mag on our website but now you can purchase them either from the CFS website and also in stores from next week. Just a reminder, you can also still pick up digital copies of issue one and two online on the KitMag website, but it's only issue two that's available in physical form at CFS. If you haven't had the opportunity to pick up a copy, pop into your Manchester or London branch or get on the website and get yourself one. Yeah, so news from Italy this week is Empoli have announced an extended kit deal with Kappa. So they've already been with them for a number of years and they're signing up for another five years, which will become one of the longest running partnerships in Italy. What we thought would be a good idea this week is to bring on, I know, somebody who's a big Empoli fan. And that's Calcio supporter, at Calcio supporter on Twitter. Jake, welcome to the show. Welcome to the pod. Cheers, guys. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to be on. So why don't you just very briefly give us, not everybody might know a lot about Empoli, why don't you give us a whistle-stop tour of, of Empoli as a team, how they're doing at the moment and potted history? Yeah, well, do. that's great. Yeah, we're a little team, Empoli, just situated outside of Florence, about 20 minutes on the train. It's a really nice place. And we've been punching above our weight for a while now, I think. We have a Tuscan owner and he backs as well. 
and with really a Serie B side normally. But I think in the 86, we got promoted for the first time to Serie A um, and we're one of the only non-capitals of the of a Regione to play in Serie A. We had Kappa joined us in 2018. Yeah, 2018-19 season. And that's when we was in Serie A at the time. Unfortunately, we was relegated then on the last game of the season. Since then, we've been in Serie B for a few seasons. But last year, we got promoted. So we're in Serie A now. And it's been a great season so far. Yeah, I think we're 12th, maybe, or 11th currently. We've beaten Fiorentina, Napoli and Juventus this season. So it's been a great season. Although we are yet to win in 2022, so hopefully we can change that today against Juve. But I'm not sure we will. <laughs> I would implore anybody who's got the BT match choice on um, and watching a bit of Serie A to click on an Empoli game because you guys play some really brave, dynamic football this year as well. You've not come up and shut up shop and, and tried to snatch wins. You've, you've been playing some great stuff. It must be uh, lovely to see. Yeah, I mean, it gives you a bit of a heart attack sometimes because we seem to just go for it, you know, attacking football at all costs. We don't change the way we play. We can concede a lot of goals, but sometimes when we can shut out a team, that's when we can spring a surprise like we did in the Allianz Arena against Juve. So, yeah, that was great. Great stuff. And then in terms of the shirts themselves, so uh, the cap of shirts are, are really nice. I think a lot of people in the collective community probably got on board with Empoli shirts of the, was it the 110th anniversary of last season? Uh, the 100th anniversary, yeah, 100th yeah. anniversary shirt, yeah. VFS did them at quite a, quite a good price in the end. So I think a lot of people were snapping up those three. What's what's your view on the, the Kappa kits today? I think it's really refreshing, actually. Obviously, we're not a big team, but I feel like they have done as mostly bespoke designs over the four or five years we've had them so far, which is good. Before that, we were with Joma, and it was very much, you know, template-based. Slight change every year, but nothing much. But, yeah, it's been great so far. I always feel the first year you have a new kit supplier, maybe it's not the best effort. I feel like they they don't have time to sit down and maybe design exactly what they want. But since then, it's been, you know, it's been great. My favourite kit was probably the 2019-20, which was yeah, kind of like this honeycomb design. People should check it out if they've not seen it. It's really nice. Um, I think I've shown it on Twitter before. It was great. And then we went back in the pandemic year to just our original blue, but it was a classic capper. It was lovely. And then this year, we've added the subliminated lion, which... You can't really see it on TV that well, but when you see it up close, it's it's really, really nice. And that just represents the Piazza del Leone area of, of Empoli. So it's great. And then, as you said, you know, we, we managed to do something for the 100th year anniversary. Most teams maybe get a special badge or something like that, but we managed to go full in with some histor- a historical kit. And yeah, it's been great. So you'll be hoping for more of the same for the next well, five year to run. So next six years, you'll be hoping for more of the same. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do, really. Um, they've done some, you know, cool designs. And now we've gone classical the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see if we, if we then stick with that or whether we, we twist and go with something a bit more daring. I don't know. I feel like our colours are blue, but we initially were uh, red, for the Tuscan flag. So it'll be interesting to see whether they incorporate that at some point. That could be a good design. But yeah, I'm very happy we can stay with Kapov and can hopefully avoid templates for another five years to come. Well, I'm sure we'll all be watching very closely to see what comes. Uh, maybe we've got a new second team in Serie A as well in Empoli. So wish you luck for the rest of the season. 
Uh, if anybody's interested, we'll be running a, an Empoli Kappa thread during the week. So everybody's got an opportunity to go in on the Twitter feed and see all of those great shirts that Jake's just described. Thank you very much for joining us. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So a few chunky bits of news there in Kit World this week, but there's also a few smaller bits. So, Adrian, do you want to round up the other things happening this week? Yes, happy to. So we saw a couple of the one-off bespoke kits that we've mentioned in previous pods debut this week, debut for the one and only time. So US Alessandria wore their 110th birthday kit on Monday evening as they went down 2-1 to Prusia. Thought it looked great, great on the pitch. And Walwick wore their shirt last night against FC20, I think it was, and also lost. And that, again, looked really fantastic on the pitch. I think universally people are describing that shirt as a kaleidoscope of colour. But I think very much the, the trim on that kit makes it stand out. It's absolutely fantastic. But what did people think about those shirts on the pitches? I think they both look great. The, uh, the fake Pure Third Adidas one, I think that, that was brilliant. Do you know what? There's something about those green shirts that just look great, isn't it? And it's a shame that obviously things will happen next year in Italy that might mean that we don't see them anymore. But yeah, I love that one. And the Warwick one, one of the best things about that wasn't just the kaleidoscope of colours, but it was the fact that the pattern actually filled the whole shirt, not leaving a box for a number. You can always put a white number over the top and you'll still see it, everybody. Don't worry. You don't need to leave a big blue box on the back. But that, for me, was... It sounds like a small detail, but for us who look at shirts all the time, we've got a design on the front and a plain back. To see it actually run all the way around, for me, that was the, that was the best bit. Yeah, somebody pointed out the goalkeeper didn't look particularly pleased for Warwick. They lined up for a pre-match photograph. They all had these, obviously, jubilant kaleidoscope-type shirts, and the goalkeeper was stood there in his dark green keeper jersey, not with a very, very stern face. Um, yeah, so that was some of the, the kit news that was that, that we saw this week. More recently, we've just seen Rangers release a legend shirt as well. So they've got a, for their, I won't say 100th year birthday, because I know that's contentious amongst many people, but let's say their 100 years of history, they're playing a game in March against a, a World Eleven. And they've released a shirt specially for that occasion. I don't know. Personally, I think it's going a bit too far to release one-off shirts for what is a Legends game and not a competitive game. But Newcastle released that Legends uh, Legends retro throwback shirt that was really, really popular not, not too long ago with Castore. And, and standing alone, if this was a first-team match shirt, I think this is a really, really good job. People's thoughts on the shirt and on releasing shirts for Legends games? Yeah, I think it's great. Like you said, if this had been the actual home shirt, it would have flown off the shelves, although I'm sure it will anyway. But like you said, because it's for the Legends game, it's got all of the names sublimated into the the, uh, sleeves of the shirt, which is a lovely little touch. And again, it's subtle. So, yeah, it looks great. Yeah, so the captain's names, I think it's former captains uh, within the pattern of the shirt, which which is a nice touch. The only thing I was a little bit confused about was, given it's a Legends game, Newcastle went down the route with their shirt with no sponsor and I don't know why they brought the money into this and had to put the sponsor onto the shirt. Okay so with the whole bundle of news wrapped up this week it's on to our main feature. All right so we're here with James um, who's Classic Trefoil on Twitter and we're here to count down and look at some of the best five Trefoil shirts of the 1980s. Some absolutely incredible shirts that we're going to chat through this feature on the podcast this week. So we hope you um, check out the feed as well as we go through because we'll have all the pictures on there with some great uh, shirts from match action. So James where do you want to start us off then on this uh, this glorious decade for Adidas? Well first of all fellas thanks for having me on. 
I'll try and sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I can't promise anything. The first one I'm going to go for, I think, is the old DDR away shirt from 1989. Now, as you can see from the pictures, this is the famous or infamous Ipswich template from Adidas. And it's a very fetching light blue shade. I think it's the same as, you know, the, the Holland one, the Netherlands one from 88 that everyone thought was an away kit, but turned out it wasn't in the end. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the Ipswich template in a light blue shade. And I just think that the colours on it work a bit better than maybe the Soviet Union and the Netherlands one. I don't know what you guys think, having looked at the pictures. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a classic colourway, that one. It really works well, doesn't it? I want to ask, why do you think it, this Ipswich template is so well thought of amongst collectors? Is it the design, or do you think it's the rarity, or is it the fact that obviously Van Basten wore it and Holland wore it in 88 when they won the Euros? Because it is one of those shirts that, that everybody seems to want or seems to like. Well, I think it's a combination of all of what you just said, really. I mean... It's got the iconic moments with Van Basten, all its header, etc. in 1988. But it's also, it has a certain symmetry to the pattern, mm. which I think appeals to people subconsciously. It's sort of geometrically perfect, isn't it, if you look at it head on. And then also the way the colour in each sort of section of the template sort of fades out is quite pleasing to look at aesthetically. So, yeah, I think it just in terms of the design and the iconic moments in which the shirts are involved in, I think that's primarily why people like it so much. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, this is probably my favourite example of a shirt as well, just the colourway. It just pops. And even just the DDR badge, the, you know, the red embroidered badge on there just yeah. seems to seems to almost shine better against the blue, doesn't it, with the, you know, the way the colour colours flow. I think it's a really exciting, really exciting shirt. Do we know actually how many variants or how many teams actually had this? I know we had this as a bit of a question, didn't we, a few weeks ago, but there's, there's probably a lot out there, isn't there? Maybe even some that we don't know about. There's loads. Off the top of my head, there's obviously the Soviet Union, the Netherlands. Dortmund had it as well. There's a, a very rare Porto away shirt that I don't think was ever commercially made, which is, I think, a really sought-after one for collectors. There's People listening to it now probably screaming other examples. Morocco, Morocco, that's my quiz answer. Yeah, Morocco, had answer it. Also, Morocco yeah. Yeah. yeah, great show, great show. And there's another famous example. That, oh, West Germany, of course, 1990. Yeah, yeah. There needs to be something somewhere, doesn't there? You know, like we've got old football shirts and like football kit archive. Wouldn't it be great if you could have like a, a website or somewhere that had an app or a, a section that had all the templates and all the famous versions of it? That would be great just to see kind of all the different teams. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that exists, but that would be quite cool to see. That. I know Museum of Jerseys do so much great stuff with templates and sharing yeah. now, but it would be great just to see images of them, wouldn't it, of whether it's match action or the shirts that people own. Rob, that sounds like a tremendous idea, mate. Well, if it can make me when loads you... of money, I think I'll probably go for it. But uh... <laughs> Start the crowdfunding now and yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll chip in. I'll give you 50p, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I'll write that down. We... Yeah. But I mean, you, you're... You're right about the memories on this shirt, but this is a shirt we've seen reinvented a few times. And in fact, we've just seen it reinvented in the last week, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. So the MLS version, the Atlanta away shirt. What, what do you think of that, James? Well, there was some debate about it, wasn't there, the other day on uh, over on the old Twitter. Personally, I like it. I, but then again, I'm a big fan of 
most of the retro when it when a company brings out a retro design for a modern shirt i tend to be a big fan of them just because i love retro shirts but that one in particular i thought it worked really well it was like a, a light green color wasn't it and again quite similar to the the old west germany one um i just think that color scheme works with the design i was a, I was a big fan of it anyway yeah those pastel colors those pastel yeah, yeah, colours were well done because it's obviously got the fade built into the pattern already. And I, I thought it was great as well. And it's, it is a shame, obviously, that there's the whole authentic stadium thing with that. But I think even on the sort of regular fan version of the shirt, the design still looks really, really good. And the colours, I think, are brilliant. Yeah, I was a big fan. But I saw not everybody was. And, you know, I can, I can, I can see people's points of view on it. But for me personally, I think it was a winner. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what what a, what a brilliant um, template to start with and a great version of it for DDR. Who's your next on the list? Well, the next one, I mean, these are in... I, I didn't know whether to put them in a particular order, but I can't really. So we'll just say a top five in no particular order. <laughs> and the next one I'm going to go with is the Belgium home shirt from 1984. I think most people will have seen this because the reimagined it didn't they for the was it the 2018 world cup yeah yeah um and it was the one with the the sort of argyle pattern the flag colors across the front emblazoned on like a white band and yeah i just think it's proper proper cool what do you think i'm gonna i'll be honest this is my least favorite of the five, and I didn't like the reimagined version either. I didn't like it when it when it when it came out for the World Cup. I, I don't know. I don't know why that is. I think maybe maybe it's as simple as I don't really like the Belgian badge. Got nothing against Belgium at all. Love the chocolate, like waffles. <laughs> um, yeah, they got some great football teams, some great players. I, I, don't, I don't know. Just just for me, it's almost a bit like. I was going to sound really harsh, and I don't mean it like this, but it's almost like the tea towel that your grandma had, at, you know, <laughs> when you were when you were little. It's, yeah, yeah, that 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 pattern, the the other the geometric pattern across the white. I've just yeah. shot myself in the foot there, but um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I think that what I think that's brilliant. It's one of the. I think it's one of the best because I think because no other teams used it. It's so individual and looks so different, and I actually think the Belgian badge. You know, it is a little bit clunky around the edges a little bit, but I think because it's been put in the middle and you've got it in sort of the black diamond, if you like, in the middle of it, it kind yeah. of really draws your attention to it. It really stands out, like with the crown and the outline. And, and I love the white band. I mean, I'm a Borough fan and we've had a white band quite a lot, actually. And yeah, I like the idea of, of a pattern through it as well. I love that they've got sort of the, the Belgian colours going through that. It looks like it's been well thought out. The collar... I mean, that is such like a wide open 80s collar, that, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, it looks like it would yeah. be made of absolutely nothing. But um, yeah, it was great. I actually really liked the um, the reimagined version as well, so I'm going to have to disagree with you, Adrian, because I thought that was great. And Adidas had a great World Cup in terms of adding some of those retro details, didn't they, from the 80s and 90s into that, the 2018 World Cup shirts. Yeah, I thought it was a, a strong World Cup for kits after a few forgettable ones. Yeah. And yeah, just with this one... I, as with the MLS shirt we've just talked about, I can see why people might not necessarily like it. I mean, it's a bit tennisy, isn't it? Uh, is yeah. that even a word? Yeah. The, the sort of even Lendl. And yeah, ju- just a, as a side note, Belgium are actually terrible at Euro 84. <laughs> um, so it's not attached to any success or anything like that. But 
Yeah, it's just one that stands out to me and I, th I find particularly memorable. But I've never seen one available for less than 300 quid, so I haven't picked one up yet. Save the pennies for that one. And I think just mm -hmm. the uniqueness of the design, I think I think it's brilliant with that one. So we've had a, a well-known template to start off with with the uh, Holland 88 Ipswich template. We've gone for, for the other way, where it's not used by lots and lots of teams. What about your next on the list in your uh, unranked top five? Right. This one, I said I wouldn't list them in order, but I think this one is my favourite. And it's, it's a really weird shirt. Well, there's actually two versions of it. There's It's the Iraq home and away shirt from Mexico 86. Now, it's very similar to the Ipswich template, as you can see from the pictures, but it's this like sort of crazy zigzag wavy line template, which I know they use for um, a few other uh, shirts, such as I think Japan wore it, Portugal, Bayern, uh, the DDR as well, which is one I've actually got. And they, they also re-released it as well for Russia to wear, um, I think, the Confederations Cup, not so long That's ago. Where that yeah. came from? Yeah, I remember that re that one. That was the home shirt, wasn't it? The red one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And the one, the thing I really like about this, I mean, don't get me wrong, I really like the wavy pattern, but I really like the the massive crest in the middle, the eagle, black eagle crest. Yeah. I just think it looks super cool. And yeah. I, I, do you agree with me or am I talking rubbish? No, I'm I'm all for it on this one, especially because we definitely recommend, just as a side note on this pod, make sure you have the pictures from the thread while you listen to this section because you really need to see them to appreciate how brilliant these shirts are. But one thing I actually love on it, and which is a little bit frustrating with modern shirts, and we, we found this with the Venezia shirts this year, it says Iraq on the shirt and it's got the badge. But it works because obviously you've got the symmetry of the, the name and the uh, trefoil at the top, and then you're sort of drawn down to the middle. It, do, it I know that you're so you way for regulation or fee for regulation, but it just seems stupid, doesn't it? We all know that it's Iraq or it's France or it's England or whatever. <laughs> just just put the name of the, the team on if you want, if that fits the design. And I actually think, I know it's a really small detail, but I actually think it really works well because it, it sort of draws your eye into that giant badge in the middle, but you can't ever complain about a giant badge on a shirt for me. No, no, you can't. I don't know whether it was just Mexico 86, but I think there was a few countries who had the name written on the shirts at that tournament. I mean, there was Canada, Mexico. Who else had it? Soviet Union, obviously. Uh, I'm sure there was a couple of others, but it's not something you, you see these days, is it? No, groundbreaking, ahead of their time. Puma are doing it now, but they're ahead of, of it. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but <laughs> we're, seeing, we're seeing more and more modern examples of it. I mean, yeah, obviously the Puma version, we've got the US Alessandra as well. They got away with it. Venezia weren't allowed to do it, but US Alessandra have been allowed to do it in Italy. So that's a bit of a strange one. I'm not sure how they got away about this week. Schalke as well this week, I guess, going forward, are going to be yeah. using Schalke 4 yeah. on their shirt. It'd be interesting to see UEFA's reaction to that given they haven't made a reaction to the actual situation at the moment. Um, don't know how they're yeah. going to cross that shirt bridge. We had a, we had a great 
Borough shirt actually that on the on the bottom of the back of the shirt, Borough was like emblazoned along the bottom. That looks pretty cool. But um, sorry, just as an aside again for anyone um, counting at home, that was Adrian's uh, obligatory reference to the Puma third template. So <laughs> put a pound in your swear jar for that one as we go through the pod. Very good. Arsenal did that right, as well, so move- didn't they? Sorry, Arsenal were blazing yeah, they did. quite a few yeah. times at the bottom have, of the shirt, don't they? Did they have gunners, did they have gunners they along the yeah. bottom of theirs at one point? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had it in sort of medieval writing, didn't they? Yeah. That was it. That was that font, as we like yeah. to call it now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy writing. Right, so we've gone from we've gone from the DDR, we've gone from Belgium, we've gone from Iraq. Where's the next stop on the uh, Trafoil journey? This one. I had to include a France shirt because as testament to what you've got on today, France, I would say, had the most consistently cool international shirts of the 1980s and probably the 90s as well. But I think this one, I've gone for it because, first of all, and I'll be careful how I say it, it's got the massive cockerel on the front. It's also associated with one of the best ever World Cup matches, which is the uh, the Battistone game against West Germany. Tackled by Bossi. Blackney taking over and playing the great ball for Battistone. That was a magnificent ball from Blackney, and Battistone so unlucky. Just wonder what the. Uh, Referee thought about the challenge from Schumacher on Batistón. It certainly looked a wild jump. But talking sort of sartorially, uh, I just I think the really plain template with the traditional French blue and the pinstripes and the sort of collared V collar uh, just all combines together to work really well. And then, obviously, on top of that, you've got all the like really cool French players, haven't you? Like uh, Rocheteau with his, his long black hair and his sulky face. Uh, Platini. You don't need me to name them all, but, yeah, just a really, really cool shirt and an iconic match. This is my favourite of a bunch by a mile. I just think if you've got collars, cuffs and a pinstripe, you can't go far wrong on a football shirt. Add in the Adidas Trefoil on there. And that's, to me, yeah. that's a whole set. And you can almost go with any colourway on that shirt, any badge, and, and you'd have yourself a winner. I think it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And like you say, you add the history to it as well. And that's why most of us are here. That's why most of us get so excited about shirts and collect shirts. It's, it's because yeah. of that history that's tied into it and the imagery that you've got in your head when you're looking at the, um, yeah. at the shirt. It's, that's an absolute beauty. Is this a shirt you've got as well? No, I haven't actually got this one. I've got the 86 one. But I desperately love an 82 or even an 84. It's just everything about it is perfect. The, the badge, yeah. the spon- the uh, manufacturer, three stripes, you've got the cuffs. I mean, Platini's wearing a you know a red, white and blue captain's armband as well, wearing number 10. And it, it, do you know what? They always look better in a warm World Cup, don't they? And yeah, that one, yeah. especially, you know, with all the sweat and it's dripping off him and it, it's, oh, it just looks yeah. absolutely incredible. There's probably going to be an argument that we can really boldly claim that, like, France have had the best international shirts from, like, 82 to, like, well, let's say 2000, because everything after 2000 is rubbish. Let's say 82 to 2000, they've had all the best home shirts because they've got so much variety within them as well. Um, and even their 98 one, 
that's the one that sort of links to the 86 one or 84. I'm getting that wrong. 86, 84. 84, 84 isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, even that, they were doing the retro type stuff before anyone else. And I think they've done a brilliant job. I guess. The Nike stuff that is out recently for France is a little bit, can be a little bit bland, can't it? But definitely that Adidas run was pretty good. I'm going to yeah, defend the new, yeah. I'm going to defend the newer Nike stuff. I think the the newer Nike French Rangers have been been pretty good. I think, but yeah, we'll, we'll write off as the noughties, the end of the Adidas era <laughs> yeah. and start we'll of the Nike the era. But yeah, yeah, right. And then obviously we're we're up to the last one now. Is it going to get any better? Could this get into the top five or could this be your top one? Oh, I don't know. I don't think it's my favourite, but I had to put it in. Somewhere, and it's the um, the Boca Juniors 1981-82 shirt. Now, this is the one before they started using sponsors, I think, and it's just the plain blue shirt with the big yellow band around the middle and the crest of the four stars. And I just think, yeah, as with all the others, it just looks brilliant. The combination of the gold and the blue, the three gold stripes down the arm, the the simplistic four-star badge, uh, the old-style trefoil badge as well, and the shorts, as you can see from the picture. It's got, like, those shiny, small-fitting shorts that... You know, a very 80s, aren't they? And also, it's associated with a young Maradona uh, before, you know, the, the ravages of fame sort of got to him, should we say. Uh, yeah, just another stunning trefoil kit and one which I think I had to include. Yeah, I totally agree with that one. And I think that I did ask did a, a recent version of this as well. They've done an originals yes. version, I think, which is kind of a... Uh, sort of the retro remake not worn by players but like the sort of fashion version didn't they but then they integrated it into the um, more recent shirts as well and it just it just stands out doesn't it when you can immediately identify a team by the colours and a shirt design even without a badge on without a sponsor on without really knowing about it you can kind of associate that I think that's that's the power of a football shirt a lot of the time isn't it having that strong identity and I think the Boca one that early 80s one I think really really packs a punch it's a beauty. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah, the original stuff came back, and I think you can get that, you know, pretty pretty well priced. I think it's like it's just fashion accessory, but you know, forty forty five pound at the moment in Pro Direct, and they've done done a nice job. I really like the stars on it, and they brought that back recently as well, haven't they? In terms of the Adidas yeah. designs, they re released well, re released the new shirts that they've released. Looking at all these shirts as a top five. What are the ones that got away? What are the ones that are on the on the fringes? They're in the Europa, uh, Europa Conference League places or might have won a cup along the way. Have you got any honourable mentions from that decade? Well, I'm a big fan of the 80s Liverpool stuff. The 87 season, maybe. John Barnes in his prime. I mean, as a, a young lad, a young Liverpool fan growing up, John Barnes was my hero. And I used to think he, everything he did was brilliant. And those kits, you know, when he was running down the wing with a ball, skinning players, wearing that kit, that was just sort of sums up everything that made me fall in love with football, to be honest. Those shirts, I mean, off the top of my head, you know, you could pick a lot of the shirts from the the 82 and 86 World Cups, which I think were 
probably two of the strongest World Cup, if not the strongest World Cup for shirts. Yeah, there's so many, Rob. I just wouldn't know where to start. But just a little nod to the Liverpool shirts. Yeah, I did. I didn't include them because I, I tend not to go into sort of who I support and mm. you know tribal stuff on on Twitter. But yeah, a little nod to those. Can I just say, speaking of tribal stuff on Twitter, we're not talking about tribal stuff, but talking about Twitter. Anybody that's not following you, the Trefoil Man at the Trefoil Man. I mean, I'm going through your feed now. I do go through it regularly late at night and uh, first thing in the morning just to check things are still working uh, because it is that good of a Twitter feed to go through. So I'm going to read out. This is just the most recent shirts that have been in your timeline. Give me scores out of 10 here. It's going to be difficult for you, I know, but give me scores out of 10. So we've got Fiorentina 80-81 Trefoil. Oh, that's a 10. That's a 10. You're going 10 on that? Oh, we're, we're away from Trefoil. We're now, we're now moving on to, uh, we've got Monaco, Lecoq Sportif, 1981-82. Well, yeah, I picked that one up off eBay. Yeah, I'll give that, I'll give it a seven or an eight. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't get a nine because it's not a trefoil. But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty nice, and it's a very, very eighty shirt, which obviously appeals to me. If you've seen the short sort of shirts that I collect, it's a beauty. We've got Enra, we've got a Roma eight. I think I say the eighty eight, eighty nine away shirt. Oh, I think you'll like that one, won't you? Yeah, that, do you know what? I picked that up. Well, a friend got it me from um, like a, a second-hand sports shop in Japan and he only paid, oh, don't ask me what it was in yen, but it was the equivalent of about 40 quid. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Who else have we got? We've got Zurich, uh, Grasshoppers of Zurich. Oh, that's a beauty, yeah. that one with that badge. Wow. Yeah, I love the badge on it with the giant grasshopper. And also, the sponsor, it's a good sponsor, the, the big Nissan across the front. Yeah, I do like that one. Although, the ver- the one I've got is a medium, and 80s medium is just a touch tight. So, it's not one I can wear that often, especially not if I start putting any more weight on. So, yeah, I'm going to give that one a seven. Okay, seven for that. You're a harsh man. You're a harsh man. What about this? Red Star Belgrade, 91-92. This Hummel shirt. Oh, my word. Well, yeah, I love that one. One of my favourite teams for me, that team summarised everything about that was good about football and the, the pre-internet era where you would only ever get to see a glimpse of these kind of exotic, you know, straight teams with like players with strange names. You'd only ever see them in like on like a VHS or some obscure European highlights football programme or in a magazine. And yeah, it just, that shirt is summarises everything for me of what made me fall in love with football. So you're going 10? Is that a 10 out of 10? Uh, nine. Oh, tell you what, Rob, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a hard man, isn't he? Hard man to please. Thing is, though, <laughs> you can't have 10 out of 10s in your whole collection, can you? So it's a little bit like he's yeah. grading them differently to how we would. So our 7 out of 10 <sighs> might be, you know, a 2014 something or other. Whereas this is kind of like, it's like picking your, between your kids, isn't it? You kind of, you've got to give one of them a 10, but you can't give them all a 10 because you can't like them all equally, can you? Let's be honest. But no, um, absolutely brilliant set of um, set of shirts and a great feed. And like I say, if you're not following them, uh, sorry, following him, get on it now. But what I want to say is, I want you to pick now a non 80 shirt, non trefoil that you think okay. is up there with some of those 80s ones that you've got. So it could be 90s, could be 10 years ago, 20, any other shirt out of that decade that you think mm-hmm. is, you know, superb in terms of design or the memory or, or just one one that's uh, particularly good for you okay um i would do you know what 
I'm going to go for the, I'm not sure what year it was, but it was the Ramberg Paris Saint-Germain one from, I'm going to say, 93. The one with Commodore on the front, what George Weyer wore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With the sort of Dortmund style fade to the arms. I love that shirt. And I can't find it for love no money. Yeah, I think no matter and how much money Yeah, I think no matter how much money you've got those those home and away shirts. Because I think the white one was the home home shirt that year and the blue one was the away shirt. I yeah. Think. But yeah, they are yeah. ridiculously expensive, even if they pop up every now and again in France, but that's a rare that's a brilliant choice. And it's a great shirt as well, isn't it? And it it's quite a departure from DDR was what, 88, 89? So even just three years later, how shirt tech had changed in the sense that it was a very computerized pattern on the sleeves, wasn't it? That they basically designed yeah. and then printed on the on the uh, on that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it does mark sort of the evolution, doesn't it, of shirts when they started to become more sort of focused on players' comfort while they wore them, that kind of thing. It's probably something we could talk about at length, but yeah, yeah. I Totally agree with what you're saying. Uh, brilliant chat, James. And I'm sure everyone who's listening will agree and who's seen our Twitter feed. Some of these shirts are just absolutely incredible. So really appreciate you joining us, James. And where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, it's at the Trefoil Man. And I think I'm the same on Instagram as well, if you want to follow me there. But yeah, so yeah, we- just, yeah, just wanted to say thanks for having me on. Um, really enjoyed chatting through the shirts. Really enjoyed listening to the pod so far. Great. Thanks a lot, James. Um, and now we're going to um, have a, a seamless little segue into some music and a bit of a quiz on Kit Room 101. I know he nearly, he nearly sent it to me because he was texting me. Alex texted me saying, oh, what question shall I give for Adrian Tom? And I was thinking, hmm, might get the question here. <laughs> it's been out on the piss for the last couple of days. Um <laughs> Okay, moving on to the quiz now. So Rob is looking to join Tom and Adrian at the top of the leaderboard. So a slightly different format to uh, the quiz today, lads. Try to calibrate it for your respective ages. So we have the 1997 Champions League final, Dortmund against Juventus. And what I'd like you to say is how many players that played either as a substitute, appeared as a substitute, or in the starting 11, can you name? To make it slightly easier on Tom, who is slightly more junior, Tom, you're going to have to select the Juventus players, and Rob, you're going to select my beloved BVB. So, how many of the players that appeared either as a substitute or in the first 11 can you name? give you a bit of working out time as per usual you can get two wrong and the third wrong answer is you done what a final this was as well what a final and what shirts yeah iconic shirts on the pitch yeah well I would mention some uh some of the highlights but we'll give away a bunch of names there I just always remember Platini wheeling away celebrating the winner in that game Tom The Harland hat trick. This is where I'm trying to like recall my 96, 97 champ man days. I thought you had a bit of an advantage, so I'll try and even things up. Did they have to make an appearance off the bench? Is he you making up his own that. rules here? Hang on. Yeah, name, let, let's go for this. Name, named on the bench or executive decision, named on the bench or in the start 11. So in both cases, you have 16 players. Can we have anyone who's in the whole squad of 25, including youth teams? <laughs> you can have any player that's played for the club over the last... 
56 Great. years. Brilliant. Right, my guess is Paul 73. Rival club. <laughs> right. I'm going nine. <clears throat> okay. I've got ten written down. Oh, goodness. Are there any fans then, Rob? Right, do you know what? I'll go, go on. I'll go for 11 and panic. Okay. Tommy, any advance then, 11? I'm weighing up whether it's worth trying to go down in flames with this one. Yeah, do it. Go in flames. Yeah, go on, I'll go 12 then. Right, okay. So, let's start with you then, Tom. Rob, we'll mm. come back and see how many you would have got in the end as yeah, well. Yeah, that's fine. This is famous last words. How many am I allowed to get wrong? Two wrong. And then the third wrong is you out. Adrian is going to love this. He's going to love this, judging me horrendously. Okay, all right. So I think I'll start with the the safe bets. And I'll go Del Piero. Yes. And Zidane. Yes. And Peruzzi. Are these dramatic pauses helping you? No, no, look, hands, hands. You can see Um, my hands. Uh, no, no, sorry. Okay, so yeah, Peruzzi was the keeper, yep. Okay, uh, Ciro Ferrara. You're on four now, yep. Deschamps. Yes, five. Uh, Montero. Yes. Uh, Igor Tudor. Way overshot there, unfortunately. I think he's about three or four years later. Okay, that's fine. We'll go again. Uh, Takanadi. Yes. We will go for Pesotto. Yes. How many is that? You've got eight so far, one wrong. So uh, Okay, we will go for... I've got one written down here, but I'm very suspect of it. Now you said that about Igor Tudor. Um, I will go for uh, Edgar Davids. I'm afraid not. No! One more chance. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, Alan Boxich. Back in the game. Yeah, I see you're nine now. So is it two more? And I will go for defenders. I'm trying to think defenders. Oh, he needs to get 12, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So three, three more. more to get. Three more with one life. Bollocks. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll have. Um... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Hang on. Uh, we can cut these blanks out, can't we? So it looks no, like no, we're no, rattling no, through no. him. Um, is... We need to leave the pin in. It's going to be a two hour episode. Mark Luliano. Yes, left back is playing. Um, so you're on 10. And I will have. So you're missing a right back, right midfielder, left midfielder, oh, a striker. Delivio, Angelo Delivio. Hang on a minute. Yes. You can't give him the positions he's missing. <laughs> uh, Rob, you, you were offering to open it out to, to the world of football. And you've missed... I'm definitely missing a striker. I know that, aren't I? Uh, yeah. Surely we've got some kind of ticking clock going on here, boys. Come on. Yeah. How many are you on one off? Do I need one more? Yeah. One more, yeah. Oh, No. Okay, uh, I will go for... we give him a clue? No. Because <laughs> it's a striker that did, did later turn out for BVB, didn't he? Oh, do you know? Uh, so, no, do you know what? I'm just you're just confusing things here, Adrian. I've, I've taken way too Fine. much time, so I'm going to just go for it. 
I'm going to go, I, I think it's too early, but Zambrotta. Uh, I'm afraid not. It's a valiant, no! valiant effort. A valiant oh, effort. Tom. So, the ones you missed, Adrian, can you fill in any of the gaps? Right back? Sergio Perini? Yeah, blimey, yeah. Wow, okay. I wouldn't have got um, The left midfield was one of the non-EU players. Jukovic. Yep. Yeah. Missing the other striker, one of the world's most expensive players. Christian Vieri. Yep. Substitute mm-hmm. keeper should be a, a given. Ron Pula. Yeah, that's it. And I think, ah, just um, a sort of eventual journeyman striker. Yeah, that's me. I've, got, I've nearly threw Tom a curveball there. That's going to be Nicola Amoruso, Amoruso not... Yeah. Um, Amoruso. Yeah, different yeah. Amoruso. Okay. Do we want to right. go through the... I've, yeah, I've just, I've just added okay, two... So, ec- 100%. I just, yeah, I just added two extras that I remembered there. So I'll go for the ones that I originally had. Right, so while Tom was doing that, I, I thought of a couple more. So I'll go with what my initial guess would have been. So I had Sammer. Yes. Paul Lambert. Yes. Lars Ricken. Yes. Stefan Chapuisat. Spot on, you're on four. Right, close, the keeper, but I don't know if that was too early for him. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. He's hometown boy. Andy Moller. Yes. Jürgen Kohler. Yep. Right, I can't remember it. Is it Heinrich who was the left wing back or left back? Jörg, Jörg Heinrich. Jörg yep. Heinrich. Was Sunday Lise there at that point? Or was he at Ajax then? Or somewhere else? But he that went there, didn't he? Was he, that he later wasn't on? The, he wasn't on the pitch. Right. He wasn't yeah. on the pitch. Right, so then the other two that I thought of, which I might I might be wrong on one of them, but Karl Heinz Riedler. Uh, Paolo yes. Sosa, or was he after Lambert? No, yeah, no, they played. He was there for that, they were having, the ones Having played for Juve in the previous final? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember who was the right back. It was Stefan Reuter was at oh, right Reuter, wing back. Yeah. Who are you missing that I think you could get? So it's mainly substitutes. So legend Michael Zork, there's Wolfgang De Beer, who's the sub-keeper, René Tretschok, another journeyman striker, so Heiko Herlick. And oh, yeah. I think that's... Freddie... You are, are Martin Cree as well in centre-back. Uh, if I'd let you have that, Rob, would you have done it then? I think he would. He's on ten here, so if you could have okay, got yeah. one of those, yeah, at least it was the one I would have got wrong. Reuter, Reuter, I, I would well could have got Zork. I've heard of, but wouldn't have remembered. Heiko Herlek, I do remember, but um, not that well. I wouldn't have got any of the others. So after a valiant effort, ultimately Rob triumphs and joins Adrian and Tom at the top of the leaderboard. So, with quiz done, we're on to Kit Room 101. This week's Kit Room 101, it's Rob who's going to throw a contentious subject out for us. So, what's got your goat, Rob? So, this week, it's buying shirts of rival teams, okay? Now, I haven't actually got any problems at all with anyone buying any shirts from rival teams because I feel like the tribalism around your team is what stops people buying other teams' shirts. Now, it doesn't extend then to all teams' rivals. So, for example, if you're a Middlesbrough shirt collector, you might not buy Newcastle, Sunderland, Leeds, whoever. But also, if you like to collect Barcelona shirts, does that mean you're not going to buy any Espanol shirts, any Real Madrid shirts, any possible Atletico Madrid shirts? Barcelona have been rivals with plenty of teams across the continent. 
if you're a PSG fan, does that mean you're not buying any Monaco? You're not going to buy any um, other um, teams from France like Marseille? If you're a Dutch collector, you're not going to have any Feyenoord and Ajax and PSV in there. So for me, it's not actually about rival buy, not buying rival team shirts. For people, it's about hating other football clubs. And that's a different thing than what I'm actually saying is, it's actually all right. Buy some great shirts, and if you like them, you, you do. I get why people don't buy rival shirts of English clubs, because, again, the tribalism of football means that you probably hate them and you don't want to see them on a rail. But if you're going to live and die by that sword, live and die by that sword with all the teams that you buy. Well, in, in rarity, I'm actually going to agree with you and not take the opposite stance on, on 101. I, I think you're absolutely right. Ajax and PSV and Feyenoord's rivalry isn't my problem. I'm not going to wear both of them at a time. So it's really none of my business and I would I have no problems whatsoever. Uh, I would be interested in any of you, have you started buying a club's team and then stopped buying their rivals at all? Have any of you actually done that, not a team you actually support? So I might be a bit different to you guys on this. So collect your hat on. Obviously, I collect Italian football shirts. And I think most people know I want to have an Italian football shirt for every team that's played in Serie A. Um, but I'm also a Roma follower, fan, supporter. You know, I'm not diehard. I don't go to every game. But um, that does personally preclude me from owning lots of Lazio shirts. I have had Lazio shirts um, currently don't have any in the collection at the moment although I am going to have to buy one just so I can do a photograph of every single for completeness so I can do a photograph of having every single club um, in, in Italy in, in one photograph but um, yeah and the same with Juventus as well I did have a period of I had quite a few Juve shirts at one point quite a few and that's sort of dropped down to probably only probably only a couple that I hold on to so I don't know. I'm, I probably lean more towards the probably it, the difference is probably whether you're a collector or a supporter. And I think if you support one of those teams or have an affinity, whether you build it up or have had it all the time, but if you if you support one of those teams, I, 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 it is a bit tough, especially where there's a really big rivalry to um, yeah to, to go out. I mean, I could never wear a Lazio shirt um, seriously, not without making a joke. So yeah, I'm probably against that the other side of the argument. Tom, you've remained very quiet on this. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it because I don't, I was about to say, I don't own any other English teams aside from Chelsea, but I actually do. I have some Brentford shirts and geographically Chelsea and Brentford are supposed to be rivals, but I mean, they're not rivals, are they? I've been I've been told before by people on Twitter when I posted a Brentford shirt, well, why have you got a, a Brentford shirt? You're, you're a Chelsea fan. Like, they're not really a rival of Chelsea, are they? I just, I, I lived in Brentford for a few years and the, the, the Griffin Park was a stone's throw from where I was. So I did get quite fond of them. Um, that being said, I would never, you know, I love the Arsenal third shirt this year. I think it's one of the best shirts of the year, but I would never own it because that's Arsenal and they are a rival of Chelsea's. Um, it's a tricky one. With, with When it goes... To teams abroad, I have both Lazio and Roma shirts, which I know Adrian just kind of covered. Um, because yeah, I, I don't really have a particular affinity with either of those teams. Um, I think I probably would go with Rob. Actually, I think I would agree with him though overall. 
But that is the difference between being a collector and supporter, Tom. So if you supported, for instance, Torino as your Italian team, you, you wouldn't buy and collect and keep hold of any Juve shirts, would you? No, no, absolutely. It's, a, it's interesting, isn't it? Because what we're talking about is direct rivals, as in local rivals. So, I don't know. When you look at Chelsea, when they were relevant in the 80s and 90s, they probably weren't that bothered about other teams because they didn't see that Arsenal didn't see them as a rival because they were winning titles and Chelsea were in the second division a lot of the time. And then the, you know when they started spending loads of money, they, they became rivals. It's a little bit like the Man United Man City thing as well. Isn't it? I'm just going to upset everyone, so don't worry. The Man United Man City thing as well, isn't it? Like Man City weren't United's rivals in terms of competition for quite a while. It's always why they often used to say that the United rivalry was different to the City-United rivalry. So it's kind of, it's the way that all that interlinks because if you think about Roma, they never really challenge them for the title that often. So AC Milan, Juventus and Inter, who might have been dominant in that area, are they more rivals? So you wouldn't have any of their shirts, but just because Lazio are in the same city and obviously they hate each other massively, you're not going to buy that other shirt. But you could argue... When you're going for sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth in the table, surely you shouldn't be buying those shirts because they're your actual competition rivals rather than actually your sort of geographic rivals. Because there's that kind of level of difference there, isn't there? Yeah, and I think the social rivals as well. Because I know you covered geographical and you covered competition rivals, but you know there's other rivalries around certain teams as well that, um, that are to do with um, you know, social belief and infrastructure issues. So I'm not going to cover off Lazio too much um on that but you mentioned man city and man united my mind does blow when i'm looking at twitter and i see a man united fan buy a man city shirt and share it uh, honestly that blows my mind anybody yeah, I think, else i mean is it just me well as no. a token resident lifelong mank i i just don't see that happening either way it it wasn't especially vitriolic i don't and i still don't think it is a really vitriolic rivalry it's been, uh, you know, again, we haven't been been close competitors. And then I think for United fans, we feel we've got to get out of the money injection uh, that City have had, you know, sort of an excuse for that. I don't think it has the same, it certainly doesn't have the same feel for any United fans that the Liverpool or, or Leeds games do. But yeah, I absolutely wouldn't see any United fans I know owning a, a City shirt. Yeah, and I think that's obviously, you know, they are big rivals and you're probably not going to buy one of those shirts. But I suppose it depends what people want to have in their collection as well, isn't it? Like a lot of football shirt collectors just want loads and loads of football shirts, don't they? They just want to have not one of everything, but they'll have, they they collect football shirts like they collect, I don't know, Lego or they collect, you know, Corinthian figures or whatever. So you collect them all because you're a collector of them all. Like I think Adrian might hint like, are we football fans who like collecting football shirts, or are we football shirt collectors who love football shirts? So, for example, so Newcastle's two shirts in the mid nineties, the one with the the home with the granddad collar, then the maroon and blue stripe one. They're two of the greatest Premier League shirts of all time. Now, I would find it very difficult to own those shirts, but if I was a real avid sort of Premier League collector and I wanted the important shirts from the Premier League era then you can't deny that you would want to collect those because they're part of a bigger picture of these were, you know, incredible shirts, really important. The club was going in a certain direction. I wouldn't buy them myself, but I could see where someone would say, right, I want to have, you know, the, the, the best Premier League shirts in the last 30 years or something like that. Tom? 
I guess you could say, yeah, they're, they're the purists, aren't they? They're the ones that collect shirts because of, you know, how they look and, and, and what it means. And they can kind of put that rivalry and tribalism to the side. Whereas for me personally, that's not that's not how I collect. Everything I collect is because it's it's what I love means something to me. Or So, yeah, like I, I would never have the rival shirts. But like you said, I think that puts me more as a football fan that likes shirts over that person that's a shirt collector, I guess. So hang on, I think we are saying don't buy rivals shirt. If say they are your rival, don't buy a rival shirt. I think that's where we're getting to, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I think people still buy rival team shirts if it's not the team they support. So like I have Lazio and Roma shirts. Is that yeah. what you mean? Inter and AC Milan, Juve. Yeah, going to an AC Milan shirt. Yeah, yeah it's all it, those yeah. sorts of things. So I think you can't. It's more, it's more a personal thing about you and your football team, isn't it? That's what I think we're saying. It's difficult so to buy you... them. But if you're a, like we say, if you're a hardcore shirt collector, you don't care because you're a hardcore shirt collector, not a fan who collects shirts. So if we agree with you, Rob, and we're putting this in 101, does that mean that we're putting collecting AC and Inter shirts in, in 101? Because if no. it does, I'm going to have to disagree. <laughs> well, I'm... The comment or the, the the thing that goes into one on what one on one is more people's opinions of doing it. Or oh, you can't collect that because it's a rival. You can't collect this because a rival. That's what I want to put in that opinion of you can't collect it because it's a rival. So I'm basically trying to say people do it all the time anyway. So don't tell me that you don't collect rival shirts when you've got a Juve and Inter and AC, a Lazio, a Roma because they're all massive rivals. You've got a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, a PSV, a Feyenoord, an Ajax. Because they're all rival teams, and then they're all rivals of the Champions League. Come on, not your, but not your personal rival, effectively. Oh, but they're effectively fine. I'm okay with that. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. fine. So, so in my instance, I'm saying it's fine. But I personally still wouldn't buy my rival's team shirts. I wouldn't buy an Oxford or a Swindon. Oh, sorry, I'd buy a Swindon. I wouldn't buy an Oxford or a Lazio shirt. Correct. Yeah, but you've only you really yeah. those two hardcore teams you're not buying from. You're not collecting, I don't know, Roma, but not buying any other Italian teams. So in okay. a week of a week of upheaval, we've ended up in harmony, haven't we? For once in Kit Room One Hundred and One. Yeah, kind of. Right. Good work, lads. So that's the end of episode nine. Thanks for joining us. Just a reminder that you can follow us at kitmag underscore on Twitter or at kitmagazine underscore on Instagram. You can still buy digital copies at kitmag.co.uk, and you can also interact with us using the hashtag kitmag. And you can buy us at CFS. Woo!